I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And Merry Christmas. Christmas is over. Merry New Year. Merry New Year, everybody. (laughs) We were just talking about how uh, the Hilton family is not real... um, How do I say this? Big (laughs) decorators. Christmas is not the most thrilling thing. Not that you guys don't love Christmas, but you're just not like party people. I think I could say that safely. Yeah. <laughs> not party well, people. Well, we're excited about the birth of our Savior. Oh, yeah, but- yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's You just sit around Christmas and read the Bible all day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we We enjoy family, but we don't put out the big spreads for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and those times it's... Don't you usually have, like, tacos? Oh, th- whatever Aaron, sister, Rebecca, no. and Stephen decide. <laughs> My sister, she would have taco salad every <laughs> holiday. I mean, I would eat Mexican food every day, so I understand, but... <laughs> yeah. So it's not the traditional yeah. stuff, but we've never been traditional people, traditional just in general. You. It's your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. Well, we added to our tradition the macaroni and cheese from Costco. and that From Costco. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've had... Half of my family is gluten-free and dairy-free, so that's like mac and cheese just isn't a thing. <laughs> but I maybe... But then the thing is if I get it, I'm going to eat a whole tray of mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I hope your Christmas was good, everybody. And uh, ours was good, too. So. Well, our first question kind of goes along with, like, the new year because a lot of times people make resolutions. So the first question is, how can you find purpose in the mundane? Because a lot of times when you make a resolution, you lose passion for it. Well, this question should be asked in, like, February. That's true. When the, the spark Well, they could always listen to it again in February. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, if you need a reminder. Yeah. So let's answer the question. Yes. How can you find purpose in the mundane? Well, I personally don't find purpose in the mundane, but I know that to fulfill purpose, I need to do the mundane. Yeah. So the mundane is kind of like the means to the end. I don't know it's... if I believe you. <laughs> you make your bed you find every purpose day. Purpose in everything? For your whole life. Well, yeah, because I like a clean house and it's very difficult well, for me to get work done if things do. aren't in order. Like, it's for the greater purpose. Yeah. The greater purpose of... If my bed's made, I'm going to be able to think better when I'm in the office to do my mundane things so I can ultimately fulfill my purpose of changing the world <laughs> and valuing all of humanity. <laughs> Oh, now we're if making jokes. Now bed, we're making jokes. If she didn't make her bed, none of that could happen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if she does not see lines in her carpet, she cannot get work done. <laughs> oh, that, what that I'm saying used is to be. you I are very to dedicated yeah. to doing the mundane things, you know, more than yeah, anybody but, but that but I honestly, know. honestly... <laughs> uh, I know the atmosphere in which I can excel the most to ultimately fulfill purpose, do the things that I love to do. So you're saying you have to do mundane things to fulfill a greater purpose? We all do. Yeah, yeah. That's a part of it. I mean, 
you wanted to get married, there's a lot of mundane things you do to keep wifey happy. Is she happy? <laughs> I don't. We'll have to have her on a we'll podcast. Have to have ask her. So, Aaron, you have to let us know. (laughs) I I don't think she's always happy, but uh, I think some. uh, We'll have to go back and listen to the podcast on being happy. Hmm. And then we can determine the one where you brought up um, the wake at your father's funeral. Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) That had to be the most listened to podcast because. I had so much compassion and we're having a good time, right? Demonstrated. <laughs> there were people who came and said, Melody, I understand why you brought that up. You're a very I totally person. understood. <laughs> so See, people were that's very why loving. we all need a voice here because each of us speak to a different yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> but what are we yeah, oh, the it's mundane. about finding purpose in the mundane. Yeah. We all have mundane things. I don't like them. I don't. <laughs> well, you can't are, escape them, right? Well, some people are really routine people and they yeah. like, they love, they love the monotony. I don't love the monotony. To me, I'm like, can we do anything else? Like, can we, like, I think you're like this, like, you know, we work at the same place, but you well, just drive I- home a different way. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just like, I just, I'm going to go this way instead of the normal way. Don't we- you like to, Check off those to-dos on your to-do list. And most of those to-dos could be Monday. I just don't want them to be there. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a Monday lover because the Monday stuff is like all that, like Mm -hmm. it's the same thing every week. But doesn't it feel good when they get checked off and it's done? Yeah, but I don't find the joy in that process. I would just rather it be a Tuesday and they're just not on my list. So basically you're not enjoying the mundane per se, but that's... I mean, you have to do it. It's that's it's something that's necessary to. But while I'm purpose. doing those mundane things, I'm not necessarily like, yeah. You know, if I don't do this, then my the greater purpose. I'm just kind of like just doing it. Oh, see, I, I maybe I do is what keep this the person is like. How do I find the purpose? Yeah, I I do keep purpose in front of me. Yeah, yeah, but that's the way my mind thinks. Yeah. So I think that like I can relate to this person. Like how can you, how do you find mon- or purpose mm-hmm. in those things? Cause like for me, I'm like, you know, some women just love to like go get their hair done. I'm like, can we, this is a twice a year situation. It takes hours of my day. Can we just get it over with? Cause it's just one of those things well, you just have to keep doing. If you think like we don't give a lot of attention to electric in our house, but in the middle of freezing cold and we have electric heat, it might just seem like a mundane bill we have to pay or whatever. But the fact is, if we didn't do those mundane things or yeah. maintain certain things, it would affect our quality of life. I mean, you have, yeah, you have yeah. to do it. I'm like, you know, showering is important. You just, <laughs> just well, got to do it over and over I again. I like the word that you use, maintain. Mm-hmm. Right, we're not going to be able to do certain things if we don't maintain the mundane, like you said. Like, if you don't get a shower and you feel like your purpose is uh connecting with people, <laughs> that mundane, thing, can that hinder mundane your purpose. thing is really necessary <laughs> for connection, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, so I guess one way would just be to, to consciously see look. value in. The mundane. Be like, this is why I'm doing this thing. 
Yeah. You might not, it might not be your favorite thing in the world, but you're seeing value in it because it's necessary. I think, of course, another word I love to use is love uh, because love is making decisions that are good for others. It's what, it's not about emotion. It's not about sentiment. It, it's about doing something that is good for another human being. And when I think about marriage, uh, when my husband does the mundane thing because it's valuable to me, uh-huh. then I know he loves me, right? Because I know he doesn't like to do that, but he knows it's important to me. So like he would never leave garbage in the house overnight because I don't like garbage in my garage. So he takes it up to the shed. So you can't see the garbage. You can't smell <laughs> the garbage. I don't want to see or but smell it. But you the... know that it's there and, and that in, bothers you. In his garage, in his shed is where it is. But you know that if it's if it's kept in the house, then you know. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. And he knows I don't like that. And so I, I don't ever have to say, would you take the garbage up to the shed? Yeah. He just does it. It's a mundane thing, but I know it's a way that he's showing me he loves me and values me. There you you go. guys are looking at me like deers in a headlight, like you don't know what. <laughs> I was thinking, is that why my love language is acts of service? Because I just want somebody to do the things I don't want to do. I was like, is that why? <laughs> Mm. That's a deeper question for yeah, a different topic. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, we I think have- even the mundane applies to healthy relationships. Because if I only do the things that make me excited, then I really won't have Well, can much you talk joy. about, I didn't make notes on this because I figured you would talk about it, but can you talk about obligation versus choice? Sure. Um, a lot of times we do things obligatorily. And one thing that I've really learned is whenever there is the perspective of I have to, I must, I should, I'm obligated to do this. You know, I don't even like to use the word I have to do this or I must do that or I need to do that. Because whenever that is there, it carries a negative connotation, a negative emotion. Okay, I'm going to do this for Katie. Uh, You know, I'm obligated to do this. This is what you know, a pastor does, or this is what a mama does, or this is what you just got to do. The moment I do that with that mindset, it just carries the negative feel. Yeah. But So is it disempowering? Like Totally disempowering. Okay. Um, because when I do it, I'm not going to do it with the purity of heart. It's not going to be done out of love. It's not going to be done out of compassion. It's not going to be done uh, because I want to serve someone in purity. Yeah. So it's a have to. And so it carries negative emotion is what it does. Whether we're consciously thinking negatively, if it's obligatory, it's going to carry the feelings of obligation. But if I just tweak my perspective, I still do it. Yeah. But I'm tweaking my perspective to I make a conscious, deliberate, intentional choice to do this for Katie. Why? Because Katie holds value. Katie is worth it. Katie is, you know, look at all that she's done for me. I'm going to make the choice to do this. And the moment I, my perspective is from a place of intentional choice for the right reasons, yeah. 
then when I do it, people can feel the difference. They say, Melody actually wanted to do that. Well, even if you're doing it for yourself, do you, you know, you feel the difference. You feel the difference. There, there's like a peace that floods you when you know you're doing the, the good thing, the right thing. Uh, because when we do right, it feels right. When we do good, it feels good. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not that we don't fulfill the mundane yeah. or things that many people would say are our obligations as a wife or a husband or a mom or an employee or whatever that is. If we just shift our perspective to choice, then what we do is going to be done at a whole other level of excellence and purity. Yeah. And it's going to produce different results. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like you've even been helping me with is... Um, just that perspective shift. And so like I've even noticed because I typically don't enjoy those mundane things, how like I would do them out of obligation. And then eventually I feel um, burnt out. Mm-hmm. And, there then, you go. and then I like, I it's a spiral. It's like this cycle mm-hmm. of it, it's not productive. So then starting to just change that perspective um, to choice. And that's where you start to see the purpose in it. And, and you accomplish more, you do it faster. Mm -hmm. Because for me, like I recognized that, um, I don't want to do these things. And so I'm just doing them because I have to. And then eventually like I'll find myself procrastinating on things Mm -hmm. or I'm just not as productive or I'm slowing down or I'm irritable. you feel taken advantage of. Yeah. Like I get real irritable of like, oh, somebody needs something from me again. Like it's, it's a negative direction. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you change it and you actually see the the power in in that in choosing and and giving and um, yeah you you end up in a better place yes. you end up doing more with you know less you're more effective you're more um, productive you're more helpful and you're more fulfilled personally so that has been a key for me as someone who is not a Monday person, learning to shift perspective. And um, Zig Ziglar says your attitude sets your altitude. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, attitude, perspective, I think Mm -hmm. maybe you could swap those those two words, but uh, it just sets the trajectory if you're going to go, you know, up or down. But it's kind of, it's your choice because, like you said, we all have to do these mundane things. Nobody's escaping them. Mm-hmm. So mundane me mundane means lacking yes lacking interest mm. or excitement. Yeah, I would say for most people, that's most of their life. <laughs> Right. That's true. There are some people that live a life of all excitement and adrenaline uh, junkies. Uh, yeah. So, so it means lack of interest or lack of excitement. And I was thinking, what is one of the most mundane things that I could think of? And I thought of dirt. Dirt is mundane. Can't get any more mundane than dirt. If because you're a gardener. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. You're ruining mine. My... I'm sorry. Keep all going. Right. <laughs> Like you brush it off, you trample on it, right? Yeah. But, thank you, (laughs) I'm getting to my point now, Uh, but where do you plant your seeds for a future harvest? Yeah. In the dirt. Yeah. So in, in that way, the mundane things of life are the things that can be the soil of the future of what we want it to be. Yeah. That, that is a great quote. 
Oh. It's a great quote. Yes. The mundane things of life can be a seed in the soil of your future. Whoever go. said that, down. man, they are like... Write it yeah. down. And I'm pretty impressed no, actually, because a good. lot of times, like when I say things and then you would post them on Facebook mm-hmm. and you would butcher the quote. <laughs> so now you just don't quote me anymore. No, I don't that much. Because I yelled because at you. Because you said, don't quote me anymore. Because <laughs> you messed up don't my quote. Don't misquote me anymore. <laughs> so yeah. going back, and maybe there's a scientist that says, you don't know how exciting dirt is. I mean, I could go into a lot, honestly, but <laughs> all the microbes you value in it, right? You're seeing well, it's not purpose I mean, in scientifically. It. There's a lot to the soil. Based Just on watched pe- a okay. documentary. Because oh. so okay, oh, so sometimes mundane is how we perceive something. Yes. Okay. Because oh, there's nutrients in the soil, it isn't kind, there? You know, we're kind of created from it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're kind of, oh yeah, go back it's to the pretty beginning. important. Okay. <laughs> so mundane, so the mundane things of life could just be based on your perception. There you go. In yeah. reality. That's there right. Man, go. we're going deep. We are. Deep today. Yeah. And we yeah. all said we didn't know what we were going to say on this. So it was pretty Well, good. I brought up dirt and she got excited. <laughs> so Well, you know. There's a lot to And then she had to throw the whole thing, we're made from dirt. (laughs) Yeah, but it took the breath of God. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So God had no problem with mundane dirt. You can't. I'm not saying that dirt isn't valuable. (laughs) Right. Like you're acting like I'm criticizing your child here. I can get I get the sermon analogy. All right. Yeah. Hey, some sermon al- analogies don't work. That's why some of them fall apart if you keep breaking them down. But I get the point that you were yeah. getting to. So yeah, that is one of the struggles of when you prepare a sermon. <laughs> You're like, I, this is a great analogy, but there's always that one person in the congregation. You know, dirt is amazing. <laughs> you don't know the life that is in dirt. I was kind of channeling uh, Trump there. Oh. <laughs> Let's uh, change the subject. <laughs> Katie loves talking about him. Politics in general. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It got awkward there for a second. Okay. <laughs> so well, is there purpose in the mundane? Yeah. Actually, yes. Yes. I mean, like, you know, breathing. There's every, so many things. I know. I'm bringing up breathing You're again. You're bringing up but breathing. But like, if you really want to talk about... If you really want to talk about... The mundane, where it's all the time we're doing mundane things. Yeah. Yeah. I think gratitude is important. I think think you can either complain or express gratitude. And uh, gratitude is always going to help you get through those things, see the purpose in them. So there you go. All right. What are we talking about next? (laughs) The next question. And I will say that last question was phenomenal. The best question I've ever heard. Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the next question is, I believe that the people of God need to be outside the walls of the church. Is the typical idea of the church still, or that the typical idea of church still valid? This is such a loaded question. But it is valid, yes. So there you go. (laughs) That's it. That's all we got, people. (laughs) Yes, it is. Next. (laughs) But may I say, within the church is community, so it's valid. 
relationships. So it's very valid. There's a place of support. There's a place of opportunity for spiritual growth and emotional growth. That is all so valuable. But one of the very core reasons of the local church is to give people the ability to discover the light that they carry so that they can go into a dark world outside of the four walls of the church. So really the local church is an equipping ground to get people outside of the local church uh, to build the kingdom of God in their spheres of influence. This question kind of makes me laugh because I just think of things probably differently than most people. But the beginning of it is, I believe that the people of God need to be outside the walls of the church. And I thought, are people trapped in church? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm a full-time pastor, and I only spend a fraction of my week in the church. And if a believer is only at church on Sundays, that means probably a max of two hours of their week is in church. Okay? And there is 168 potential hours in a week. The church is outside of the church. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's so good. <laughs> so I I would say unless you're a monk in a monastery, the church is outside of the walls. Mm-hmm. So the structure in the meeting place isn't the issue. That's right. The issue is a mentality sh- mentality shift of what it means to be the church, not just go to church. Yeah. Right. There yeah. you go. Now that is what needs to be shifted. Yeah, that's right. But people aren't stuck in church. No. Now, you might be one of those Christians that do the Wednesday night service. <laughs> Not talking about those. The holier people. Yeah, the holier people. The Wednesday <laughs> and the Sunday. Sunday evening. Even if you did all those, let's say it's six hours. That's a fraction of a fraction of what of the total hours that you have in a week. Yeah. So the church isn't stuck in the church. Actually, I would say most of the, when we're talking about church as a people, are outside of the church already. Mm-hmm. So it comes back to a mentality shift, yeah. not necessarily the structure mm-hmm. of a church or a place of meeting. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's where I think if if a believer, if you're only being a believer on a Sunday morning, then I think that's the greater issue. Yeah. If you're only, you know, if that's if that's when you fulfill your Christian duty is that you appear on Sunday mornings, then that to me speaks to this question of like, you know, we need to be believers 24 seven. We need to live the gospel Mm -hmm. everywhere we go. So I understand where this question is coming from. Um, and in that idea of like the religious institution, because I, I do think like some believers not to pass judgment but like that that that's what they see I'm a Christian because I come to church like it's it's more of like the idea of the institution that you're a part of and I think in the western world that that the church can be self-serving well yeah in the sense <laughs> of we're doing this to build this structure yeah versus build and I don't want to cast judgment of they're not doing it to build people but I think in a lot of ways it is like it's to promote and just the individual, how can I put this? Like build the church, that specific church, that location, that campus, that vision, or not necessarily in a macro sense, more in a micro sense. And that's where I think we get off when Mm -hmm. it comes to like the 
the the church, um, mm-hmm. the big C church, is that if we're trying to build that, the institution, I'll just use that word. Like if we're building the institution of church, then I think that we have lost the meaning of what the church is. Um, so like, I mean, and even like the word church is a translated word. That that word in its, in its origins doesn't mean the religious institution that we have made it to mean. That word was a translated word that was actually um, the ecclesia, which is a, uh, it was a governmental word. It was a secular word. And so there is much that we have made of the institution of church that is not what the church was meant to be, which is impacting the nations. It's, you know, building the kingdom of God, yes, outside of the walls of the church. And as I was like really preparing for this question, I thought, I think there's almost two strains of thought in my mind of importance. And one is that ecclesia, which is um, is being in culture, is being the light of the mm-hmm. world, being the city set on a hill, not the church building set on a hill, but you being the city uh, set on a hill to impact your world. Um, but there is also in scripture, this beautiful precedence for the gathering of believers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it is both things. And I think sometimes we maybe combine them mm-hmm. in when we say church, when actually there's maybe different sides of this. Expressions, uh, functions. Or purposes even. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there is great value in the gathering of believers, in the assembling of believers, as do not forsake the assembling mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Um, but often when even in the New Testament, when you see believers um, gathering, they're gathering. And um, I do have a scripture in Acts. Let me... I wasn't ready. There we go. Acts 2.42, it says, and they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I just love that because there is that value in the believers assembling Mm -hmm. to receive teaching, like you were saying, to be Mm -hmm. equipped, to be empowered um, and in fellowship with one another. There's many places in the New Testament where it shows the accountability of the the meeting together as believers where we can correct each other, where we can um, help each other, we can support, encourage. Um, and and that often happens around tables and the breaking of bread and, um, and, you know, we take communion together and we pray together. There's wherever two or three um, touch anything that, you know, the, the father hears. So there's so much richness in the actual assembling of believers in what we would think of as church. But the, the macro term of church, the ecclesia, is this whole other thing of not just staying at the table. It's going out into the world and um, preaching the gospel mm-hmm. to, the, to all nations, to discipling all nations, which doesn't happen in the four walls of the church. So I think there's rich value in, yes, the assembling of believers. But I do think sometimes we have made that the whole thing. And I don't think that it was meant to be. That's what I was saying. I think it goes back to a mentality shift or a revelation shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yes, that there is value in meeting together and fellowshipping and being maybe what we would quote unquote think of as the local church, but there's another aspect to it yeah. as well. So we're not getting rid of one to embrace another. It's, yes, there is a place for this, but there's also a greater value in 
reaching being the being the light to the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of my favorite scriptures in this, I'm going to read it out of the Passion, is Romans 8, 19. The entire universe. This is what the Bible says, not just the earth globe. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. And in the Amplified, it says, for even the whole creation, all nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. Yeah. And I love the local church because that's a place of growth and it's a place of healing and it's a place of family. It's a place of safety and security uh, where we can come together and it's not based upon size. It's based upon uh, the quality of relationships and health and, and equipping that takes place there. But it's all for the purpose for the unveiling of these beautiful sons and daughters of God so that the world can see, wow, <laughs> there is uh, a God who created all heaven and earth. He created the universe. And this person, this man or woman, is literally that living epistle, one that is modeling what it looks like to be connected to the creator. Yeah which is a powerful supernatural place because we're not going in the world in our own power. We're equipped and we experience the power of God so I can go out and take uh, what the spirit of God put inside of me to touch my world for good. Yeah. Like the universe is just, I love it in the standing on tiptoe. They're just <laughs> waiting for us. Yeah. So if we stay which you were already debunked that we're not all stuck in the church building, right? <laughs> we're not there anyway. So why do we have to get out if we're already out, you know, except for a couple hours a week? And um, But I think those couple hours a week are a, a place of refreshing and empowering so that we really have the courage to go out and be that light. And people won't do that unless they have revelation of it. So I think mm -hmm. it is on the burden of pastors to have that revelation as well. And mm -hmm. real change won't happen unless it comes from um, from those that are teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I do think we need to teach about, you know, the church, the called out ones to go into mm -hmm. the world, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel, bring the good news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every human, every son and daughter of living God can go out and literally model good news. Yeah. Wow. Good news. Yeah. Do you hear that? Good, <laughs> good. news. We got yeah. some good news. You know, we're not carrying doom and gloom. And uh, I mean, yeah, we could really, I want to get off on that, which I won't, <laughs> but. Well, I want to, um, I want to uh, talk about the the second part of this question. Is the typical church still valid today? I would say it's valid for those who are going. Mm. It's valid for those who are going. I've learned something in my many vast years of experience. Mm -hmm. You've had pretty many years. <laughs> That was more sarcastic, but <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I knew it was sarcastic, but you... If people don't want to go to church, they will not go. Right. Yeah. So that means that they are receiving something. They are getting something, and you could judge their intentions or whatever, but they are going mm -hmm. because they are receiving something, whatever that may be. 
So is it still valid? Well, are people still using it? Mm. I, I think sometimes when when you when I hear that question, of, is it still valid? It comes with a negative connotation, and I'm just saying it's valid because people are still going; they're still partaking. Yeah. Yeah. Give me something to chew on. <laughs> Can I give you another one of my favorite? Well, scriptures? and I'm not even saying that it it. It could be even the original purpose or, but they're going because they're getting fellowship. They're going to hear the word. They're going to, they're going because that's what they always have done. I'm just saying people go because they want to go. And like I said, I've learned that if you don't want to go, guess what? I don't see you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Is it more like, like, why should I go? Well, that goes back to either it's going up in value or down. Yeah. So like that question is, is it still valued in a macro sense? But I'm just going back to the the micro sense of individually. Yeah. It's still value for those value for those that do partake of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, just one of my it's about outside the four walls of the church, but I just love this scripture and I want to put it in because I think it's so powerful uh, who we are as sons and daughters of the living God and the importance of within the local church that we bring this message. I, I think if all we teach in the local church is how you're supposed to come to church and how you need to fulfill all these rules and laws and all these things to get right with God, I'm, I'm a little challenged by some of that. Yeah. But if if we can truly equip people uh, to have a beautiful quality of life in God and let them know that Every single son and daughter of the living God uh, carries the ability to impact their world for good. Then we're we're giving uh, an eternal perspective to every single person. It's not just those behind the pulpit. It's to every believer. But I love this scripture, and I'm going to first read it out of the Passion as well. But it's Isaiah 58, 12. It says, your people will rebuild long deserted ruins, building anew on foundations laid long before you. You will be known as repairers of the cities and restorers of communities. And I... Oh, that just rocks me to the core because if we can bring to the table within the local church, those that come to our local church, mm-hmm. that they have this beautiful opportunity to be repairers of the breach, repairers of cities, repairers of communities, just by le- being that living epistle that what they are learning and growing in, in the local church, they can take those principles to their workplace, in their families, in their communities, wherever they serve in the community, whatever they do, they can be one who can be restorers, repairers. And that's how we can expand the kingdom of God. That's how I believe awakening, if you want to use some of these spiritual terms, awakening, revivals, all those things are going to take place is because the church is, macro sense, the church, the body of Christ is being what God called it to be. 
And the local church's responsibility is to equip people to recognize this beautiful mandate that they carry. So church can look different from, I mean, we got how many churches in this valley and they all look very, very different. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so this is our perspective. Yeah, definitely our, how we do <laughs> this it. This is ours, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that question is probably from a particular point of view about the church, mm-hmm. from a Catholic perspective to a Protestant perspective to a charismatic perspective. To, yeah. It all looks very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God is big enough to handle all of that. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say something along that line. It's like, God, will, if our hearts are to love God and love others, what we fulfilled all the law, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills the whole law. No matter how people express it, if that's the simplistic core of their motivation, God's going to use them. I will also add, and you kind of referred to this verse earlier, it's in Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Mm -hmm. So the meeting together, whatever church looks like, the meeting together in its most basic sense, meeting together for the purpose of encouraging one another, the meeting together... Uh, is required by scripture. So if you have value for scripture, then (laughs) I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, I think a lot of times it breaks down with like, church has to look like this certain thing. Yeah, And like, like, to be honest, I'm not, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I was brought up, but like, like home churches, that's not my particular thing. But I think, you know, I, their church can take so many forms. It yeah. says the assembling together yeah. that can look like a great many things. And it does look like a great many things. So sometimes we just get stuck. We get held up in like that, in the, the, what it looks like. Um, but like looking at like actually what in scripture, what is the purpose of the gathering together? Like I said, there's a lot in there about like, Um, of having leadership and of having um, like brothers and sisters that can call us to attention when, uh, when we've wronged someone like Mm -hmm. there, there's so much accountability throughout the, the churches. And I mean, look at the new Testament, you know, we think, well, yes, the new Testament church, but every letter that Paul wrote was written to a very specific group gathering of people right. who came from different backgrounds, different belief systems, who had different issues. And so right there you see the 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 great diversity of churches, but the centralized purpose of why we gather, there's there's such important purpose to it. Um even down to caring for one another, that if you kind of look at those purposes, like of of what the gathering is for and kind of let go of the, what it looks like, like as far as structure, I think that can help see, help us to see why that is still important. Why the gathering is, is still very vital to our faith. I think one aspect that we haven't covered is God gave gifts unto men. He gave the fivefold apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are grace gifts that come from the attributes of Jesus. And 
those five grace gifts were given to the body of Christ corporately to equip them to do the work of the ministry. So a lot of times when people say, well, I'm going to go just do my own thing. Yeah. I'm just going to, oh, me and three of my friends, we're getting together and we do church every week. Well, are there grace gifts to equip and empower you in those five anointings that were represented in Jesus Christ. So I think it's very important to recognize that God, that is not a past thing. It is very present. Today, there are those fivefold uh, governing offices that it's not there to exalt themselves. It's there to equip the saints so that they can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, in the fivefold, that's probably a much bigger topic that we would need a lot more teaching on. Mm -hmm. But like, even with what you said about like, you you kind of said it with an attitude in your voice. Mm -hmm. Like, I think to me, that is a, that's just such a huge thing because I have known people that um, like, um, they they just haven't found for whatever reason they have not found a church that they fit or there's just not a lot of churches in their area or for whatever reason and so they've kind of like had to revert to like right now it's just me and this these two other families but it, there's like a purity to it mm-hmm. whereas a lot of times what happens is like well I'm offended or I mm-hmm. like there's just a lot more like negative reasons that they kind of isolate. That to me is not, that is walking away from some of the structure that is in, like in place um, in the assembly. But but as far as, like, it, it is just a gathering. So, like, I don't think it's wrong. Oh, it's definitely not yeah. wrong. But in those particular situations, yeah. there it's important for those in those situations to not become an island under themselves, Definitely. but recognize there's great grace gifts that are needed, yeah. whether that comes remotely, whether that comes through, listen, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. but to receive from those grace gifts. Yeah. So we're not into nasal gazing or just nasal, self, yeah. you know, uh, nasal. nasal, not nasal, <laughs> you, you're nasal. Okay. Uh, you nasal, your nasal gazing, but in, into really being in a, in a place where we're yeah, absorbing definitely. what God wants us to receive. So yeah. we can grow and we can mature. I mean, whenever a person is like, God gave me this revelation, everyone follow me. That's where you yeah, get into yeah, cult territory. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I will add, and for some people that hear this, their heads might explode. (laughs) But if you're going to be in a local body that, at least in my experience, I don't know too many people that think exactly the same in any church. Correct. There has to be some level of compromise. Yeah. And people are screaming their head (laughs) off because you do not compromise truth. Okay. (laughs) But there are certain things that... Are essential and aren't essential. Yeah, correct. Are you willing to forsake the fellowship of someone else because of this point of view? Right. Mm-hmm. This is just off the top of my head. But for some people, uh, the King James is very important. Yeah. And for some people, if that if that's what causes division, there are plenty of churches that do place that as a high value. Yeah. But for I would say for most people, it's like, yeah, I... I'm kind of a King James only person, but I can still do life with these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an element of grace that is extended that 
we don't even need to bring up this conversation. We might know that we have our difference of opinions, but it's not worth uh, division or even uh, separation. So in a sense, there is, if you are going to do life with a body more than yourself, a church body, there has to be some level of uh, compassion, compromise, whatever word you want to use. If you're going to do life with other believers. Yeah. I will add this, and and maybe it might be a little off topic, but it always made me laugh. You know, there, I've heard people is like, "Well, that is so legalistic," and I think you are very legalistic about not being legalistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the same issue, but you're just viewing it from a very different thing. And I know I just threw that in there, but it's kind of <laughs> like that same thing. It's like we can get everything bent out of shape by someone's opinion or how something's done. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of maturity. Yeah. Uh, being able to say, you know, this is not an essential thing or this is something I'm passionate about, but most people don't care about it, but I'm not going to bring division. Or maybe it's so important that you do find a church that agrees with every point of view. And that's Good why luck. there's home churches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> me and my uh, t- my kids and my wife, and they uh, must listen to me because I. Am. How many husbands and wives agree on everything? That's <laughs> yeah, true. So we just have well, to... the submissive wife. I was oh, going to say wife. that speaks to oh, a whole other my. issue. <laughs> the good wife. <laughs> if you um, don't know by now, I'm being sarcastic. I'm okay, being sarcastic. <laughs> You're like, let me protect myself real quick. Yeah, I'm like, hey. <laughs> We don't get much hate mail, so I'm not too worried about it. If it does, it goes to Katie. And Katie's like, does Joel need to hear this? <laughs> if it was about that topic, you might. But <laughs> I know that's not, you were being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I really thought that was going to be a short one, but. Is there value in the local church? Yes. Does yes. the church need to be outside the four walls? Yes. yes. <laughs> are there things that can or should change? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People are people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. This. This is one of those questions. It could keep going and yeah. going and going. <laughs> well, I'm glad we solved it for you. So um, <laughs> let's go to the next one. I tend to be a person that is more cautious. When is the right time to take a calculated risk? I guess one of my thoughts was, is it okay not to take a risk? I just, not that I have an answer for this, but I think a lot of like with self-help or like even in the church, like there's so much value of you must take a risk. Yeah. Like, do you, do you need it? Is it okay to live like, a more cautious life. And I'm not saying free fear because you're like, oh, you're living. I'm just saying, like, just living a simple life. We talked about uh, a complex life the other week. So, like, what do you guys think about that? It was just a thought that I have. I know I'm kind of throwing it out there. But, like, do we have to take risk? Is that important? I think the way that I hear that is um, you can live yeah, like a you relatively, can live however you want. You is can that? live a relatively risk-free life, like a, just a more cautious, more you could say simple life, except in relationship, because I don't think you can live in relationship with other people without an element of risk. Yeah, because vulnerability is required 
and vulnerability yeah. by nature is a risk. So if you're speaking outside of a relationship, yeah. can you like have your life so routinely mapped out that you do the same thing every day and your needs are taken care of and you're yeah, I mean you can. I wouldn't want to live that life. Yeah. But some people I, do. I because, yeah, some people well, do. A, hu- a visionary person is going to say, "No, you've got to." But some people you, are not. Some people yeah, are some really are okay with some that. Some are very and, cognitive and processing. Yeah, and I was going to throw structure. that out at you and be like, "I've heard this before. If you're not changing <laughs> the world, what are you doing, you fat slob?" <laughs> not that she u- would use those I, terms. Oh, <laughs> like what? <laughs> She would never say that. That is you're not because I'm about value. The world. You would never call someone a fat slob oh if you're God. valuing all of humanity, Joel. <laughs> so you got to give space for comedy. So. <laughs> but but I think a lot of times it depends on the individual. Yeah. You know what they're personally passionate or not passionate about. So if if you have a big vision to achieve that there will be risk that yeah. you take. But if if you have a, a different type of lifestyle and God didn't call you to do that, you might not be taking as many risks in your life. I know in my life, there's some things I do not take risks on. I really have to have a, a structure and a strategy and um, that type of thing. Other things I take huge risk on. So when you were talking about relationship, I take huge risk in relationships. Yeah, Like I, I just go out on... I just, You're like, I will love you even if you hate me. Yeah. If you kill me. <laughs> and, and I believe in being authentic. I believe in deep dives. I believe in, you know, just so those things. Uh, so would a financial risk be something that you But when you'd it be- comes to, let's say, finances, um, I believe for me that I need, um, how do I say Thus saith the Lord. No, no, no. I I believe it's important to have some form of savings. You like you're more prudent. Yes, I'm much. I'm I'm very. I'm frugal. I'm not a blower of money. Uh, I'm a big giver. I'm generous. Uh, I remember years ago thinking, "Oh my goodness, I'll hand somebody a hundred dollars, and then I'm looking at this bargain. Okay, I got to save three dollars. You know, yeah. and here I just gave away a hundred or whatever. And so, uh, but see, generosity to me is a risk I want to take because it's much higher than just money itself. Yeah. Or it's it's much greater than that practical thing. But in that same sense, I am frugal. I'm not one to blow money. I'm uh when you say that, that makes me laugh because I could see you doing the motion of making it rain. You ever see that before? Like, oh I'm blowing money, making yeah. it rain. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's if it's relationally, I don't know. Uh I'm very frugal when it comes to money. I don't like spending money on things that I do not feel hold a lot of value. Um, Well, I was going to use an example of someone like avoiding risk. And I was like, yeah, they probably moved to Alaska. And then I was like, well, that that's a lot of risk right there. There's bears. I was like, that's actually a pretty big risk. So I, I think we can all look at our lives and see areas that we're a little bit more uh, practical in, a little bit more pragmatic in, and then other areas where we like jump off the high dive, as it were. Yeah. I do think like back to what you were saying about 
is it okay to live that way? I think sometimes like you can be super comfortable in that way on your own. And then do you ever see like someone, like another person comes into their world and it's like they were totally content, but now all of a sudden that person is inviting them into something else. Mm -hmm. And it's like, am I, am I, do I want to stay or do I want to take a little bit of risk? So I think you can be content that way, but I think there is like often um, something in us that is like, wants to expand or broaden or risk a little bit. Like almost like it's, it's in us to see what else is possible. Well, and you have those that push the limits, like, those that climb the first one to climb Mount Everest. You well, know? Yeah, you've got the other side. Yeah, I don't side make of this. certain risks. The, <laughs> the older other I get, the less risk I take. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, we know that this person is on the other side because yeah, the calculated risk. Well, but I got I got a good scripture to support them. Yeah. And it's biblical because uh, <laughs> biblical. It's, it's so in Luke 14, 28 to 30. For which of you intending to build a tower? So there's a purpose. There's a reason, right? Uh, Doesn't sit down first and count the cost, whether he has sufficiency to finish it. Uh, Lest happily after he has laid the foundation and it is not able to finish it. All that be... And all that behold him will mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. So there are some cautious individuals that say, if I'm going to take this risk, I want to have everything in place. And some big visionary might think that that is being too cautious. But in actuality, biblically, to count the cost before you take the risk is not a bad thing. Like if you see a high-rise building, the cost to make that and prepare for that and plan for that is great. And people invested money into it. Mm -hmm. And you like my wife likes to now she likes to watch those uh, abandoned mall things. Mm. And so now the mall's a little different story, but you know, there are, are things that people have stepped out and taken a risk and it failed yeah. mm-hmm. and and they planned or they prepared or they had the financing or whatever it was, you know, so it, risk has some level of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And if you're waiting for your calculations to yeah. not leave space for the unknown, you'll never make a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's where I think that preparation, like it is, it is biblical. It is good. Um, but you can't prepare for every situation every that's going to happen. You just can't. So I like to me, it's just knowing how to toe the line of, is it wisdom or is it fear? Because like, if you're asking this because other people are like, you never take risk, but you're content and like perfectly happy, then maybe that's just who you are. But like, if you're asking that, like, like because you are afraid of taking risk, then then I think we've got other things to talk about here. So there's a difference between stewardship and fear. So that cautious person could be stewarding their resources or whatever it might be. And, uh, but... If I mean, they're it afraid, just, then that that locks us into like a different type of person. The parable of the talents, like he was afraid and so he hid it. Like he, he thought that he, he was hid. stewarding it, but but the actual thing to be done was to take the risk of investment of of 
when you're investing, you often don't know if you're going to have a return on that mm-hmm. investment. But the right answer in that situation was to take the risk to see what would happen. Um, and so like, it, and yeah, I mean, you look at what God asked people to do in the Bible. There was no calculations. Like it, he was just obedience is what it was. And, and there was a calculation only in him in that he would fall, like be faithful, that he would take care of them. So, And that's from a completely different angle than what we've talked right. about, because the fact is when God says it, then it is already a sure foundation. Yeah. And our response is obedience. Yeah. And that's where fear can trip us up. Well, a lot of times we don't have a burning bush. Yeah. We have like a little inkling in our spirit and mm-hmm. then we go, uh, do I, is this me? Is this God? And then God we is to, like head this way and I'll let you know when you get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to like weigh out what, what is, what would be foolish and what would be a calculated risk and that you're doing it in faith, even when you don't have step two before you take step one. So I also recognize I am a little bit more risk taker. I I am a little bit more of a risk taker, (laughs) not in every area. Like you said, there's still other areas I'm not, but um, I do bend more towards, I don't need to have every step figured out. I would rather step out and it's going to be fine. Like it's not all going to be fine. And that's, that's me as well. It's always (laughs) been me, especially if I had a burning bush or if I knew God spoke to me. Uh, But at the exact same time, I really want to value the people, as long as it's not fear-based, that if they're cautious, that could be their gift to the visionary. Yeah. So this is where we want to go, okay, let let me process this yeah. and let me find really strategic, wise ways that we can move forward. And so I really want to value the person as long as it's not fear-based and only the person asking this question yeah. knows if they set it out of fear or it's like, no, I'm just more cautious. I'm more strategic. Um, I really want to champion that person because I know in my life process of taking risks, there's always been strategic people and even a part of me that is strategic, that, uh, and even my, why do I save? I save for the opportunity to take a risk. Yeah. Because if God asks me to do something and I never stored my finances, then I've got to aggressively believe. But if I'm prepared when he says move, I can you know, he says, jump. I go, how high can I jump? Right. (laughs) And it's exciting because I know that I've stored in my life well in certain areas that I can do that. Um, Joel talked about me talking about a certification I I gained. Well, because of stewardship, when God said to move, uh, not only did I have a base, but then he supernaturally added to that base so I could do what he called me to do. And I mean, to me, that was a huge risk. But I did know that I'm a storedful person and I also saw miracles in the midst of that stewardship because he can trust me with what he gives me. This question really reminds me of the age-old question is, when is the right time to have a kid? (laughs) (laughs) You're funny, Joel. (laughs) The truth is you can prepare and I think that does help. 
but I don't know if you're ever ready or when it's the right time for marriage or when, like, you're not ready. Like, there are some things that you will not be able to prepare for, calculate. There's going to be unknowns. Like, and I agree with everything that you guys said, but in some things, you're just, you just don't know until, or you had your first kid. This kid is amazing. <laughs> like you had Rebecca, my sister. This is easy. And then you had me. Yeah. And then, and then he didn't have stopped. any more. They stopped having kids. <laughs> so you don't know until you know. Yeah. So I think it's important to calculate, right? to uh, prepare yourself and to save whatever it is, but you don't know, or you can't live in fear. It's like, well, look at the the times that we're living in. I right, can't do there this. There you go. There you, you go. You know, because you guys weren't going to have kids because Jesus was coming back, right. you know, and I'm 40 now. <laughs> you know? and, and so this is coming from a person, speaking of me, this is coming from a person who likes to assess and calculate. Yeah. But I have to also think, could my calculations be a manifestation of fear? Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to overcalculate because I'm really scared out of my mind to do this and I'm just waiting for it to line up perfectly? Could my expectation of perfection be a sign of fear? Mm. And so the question is, when is the right time to make a calculated risk? If that means you're waiting for everything to line up, you might... Never, never make, you might never make that that jump or that leap. So some op- opportunities that come our way actually don't give us time to calculate. Yeah. And we also have to recognize that that even like I remember hearing prophetic words about uh, God is accelerating time. He's doing things quicker. Well, what does that mean? It means I have to obey quicker. <laughs> If he is accelerating, I can't overthink it as much. I have to hear and obey. Right? So, like I said, coming from a person that likes to calculate, I can't use calculation as a wall or a protection mechanism Mm -hmm. to stop me from moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I think for the extremely intuitive person, even those that maybe heard God's voice on certain things, like Jesus, he grew up, he knew. He knew that we're at 12 years old. He was teaching the religious leaders, right? And But he waited until the Holy Spirit came upon him. He waited till he was 30 years old. So was he fearful? Absolutely not. Was he even over-calculating? No, he was just waiting for that moment. Well, there was a divine time element in there that. There was yeah. a divine time element. Yeah. And so I just threw that out because sometimes there is timings. Yeah. And sometimes we are so quick to but take you can a risk. miss your time by waiting for the right time. Yeah, we could miss our time waiting for the right time, or we can jump ahead. And so, boy, isn't it beautiful to have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us? Because really, if we just lean on our own thinking, either we're intuitive or we're cognitive, one or the other, you know, or could be a mixture of both. But the <laughs> fact is, if we're if we're leaning on our own understanding, uh we could just mess up with either. And so that's where we run run to God and just ask him to 
lead, guide, and direct because he is he's not holding back revelation from us. Yeah, I want to give a couple quick things that, for you to think about because the question is, when is the right time to make a calculated risk? I would say it's okay to get outside opinion, to mm-hmm. seek counsel. That's good. Right? So you can do all that you need to do and you can present that to someone that is trusted mm-hmm. and they can speak into it. That's good. Another thing that can you I might... just add on to that? Sure. Facebook is not where you do that. Don't <laughs> You don't go to the world because you will be more confused in the end. Go to those couple people that... You, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You want to go get wisdom... Yes. from someone that carries wisdom. Yeah, I just wanted to like mm-hmm. make or has sure. expertise in areas or Cuz if you try to get like a global perspective, mm-hmm. listen, you're going to be Well, in I also think like if one of your relatives it makes mountains out of molehills, that's probably not the person You already know your answer. Yeah, you're <laughs> You're setting yourself up for failure. So when I say that, obviously, yeah. it's with someone that can actually offer something as a an value point of view. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you might want to think about is, is the future more valuable than your present place of mm, security? That's so So you good. have to look and say, I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at, but what does the future hold? Is that risk worth the value of what the future could be? That's so good. Yeah. Another thing that you should probably think about as well is, is this change irreversible? Mm. Okay. Go ahead. Get the haircut. <laughs> it will right. grow back. It will grow back. Unless you're a guy past a certain age, then it might yeah. be. <laughs> but for the most part. Not just a guy. Like I said, <laughs> you have to look. Is this change irreversible? Yeah. If your hair grows quickly, it's 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 uh, reversible. Um. Is this change re- uh, reversible? Locate to a better climate. Yeah. If you moved once, you can move again. Yeah. Should I buy a house? You can buy a house and you can sell it as well. Yeah. There are certain things mm-hmm. that we do that might be irreversible. I think that could be something that you should tread lightly on and get more counsel. But if we're talking about things practical in life, like a haircut or uh, like if you were so worried about the haircut risk, oh boy. (laughs) I'm thinking, well, maybe that's the line and that's the bear. I'm not sure, but there are Goliaths out there as well. So that's just a thought. Like if I do this, can I go back? And I would say for most things, probably yes. Yeah, that's true. And along those lines, I think for this person, like, where are your what ifs going? Because I think if your what ifs are worst case scenario, then that might be an indicator that fear is leading the caution here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it if your what ifs are potential driven, are um, future driven, are like they, their ideas, their vision driven, then then you know that there's wisdom in caution. That there's good potential here, but we need to be cautious so that we don't blow that potential. So I think just like what are what are your what ifs? Because if if it is a what if everything goes wrong, I'm like, well, God God doesn't lead us that way, and yeah. um, I don't think that's wisdom. I think that's just more that's just more fear. 
I also think that taking risks are, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. You grow I think, the muscle. Yes, it's a muscle. Like, And if you are that person that is dealing with the haircut risk, you, you probably need to be practicing risks more and more and then yeah. you get you'll get more confidence in it. Yeah. I just posted, I, I was like, to all of the singles out there, I was like, if you like just ask them out, just do it. Because to me, I'm like, and that's where like I'm a little bit more of that risk person, but because you're growing the muscle, even if if it doesn't go your way, then you've, you did it. Like, good job. You did it. So that's you right. grow from that of like, of, okay, it didn't work out the way I thought. Well, it was it wasn't great, wasn't comfortable, but it wasn't so bad. So you kind of, you've you've grown the muscle, you've grown the courage, and that applies in so many areas of just if you just do it, like especially in those small things, mm-hmm. and like it could be a really small thing, like blueberry or strawberry, like it just just choose, um, and that's where you you practice grow. at the ice cream store, <laughs> yes. like go to where they have the forty different <laughs> flavors, be like I will do this. In two minutes time. <laughs> I have people in my life that this is a big, these little things are big and things. And resist the urge <laughs> for samples. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> take the risk. Take like, that's the what risk. I'm saying. Do it in, in the smaller yeah. things. But some people might like, this is very important. So, But you are growing the muscles and you're learning. You might take a risk, a smaller risk that's not earth shattering. And you learn... That wasn't a great risk. Well, why? What could I have done better? What was the outcome? What were the dynamics? Like you can learn from these things as well. So it isn't always a make or break situation. Sometimes it's just a learning process in life. When you brought up the dating situation, it it made me remember, well, Aaron and I were, we, were, we weren't dating. We were just hanging out a lot uh-huh. and it was getting... I felt like, man, this is going to be my wife and, or I want her to be my wife, but I didn't know if she was thinking the same <laughs> yeah. thing. And so uh, I remember a conversation. I was scared. I'm sure she was uncomfortable too. And the 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 phrase that I used was, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Just <laughs> the worst question. <laughs> I know. She's like, what are you thinking? I don't know. What are you thinking? And eventually it came out and... That now was like we're, we were both 20. thinking it. It was like yeah. baby risk. And then it was like, what yeah. are you actually thinking? I was like, that is really weird way to do it. <laughs> now, that wasn't how I asked her to marry me because we had a day where I officially asked her to marry me. Yeah. But it was kind of like that the beginning. That was your first date. Was, wasn't it your first date when you proposed? Well, our quote unquote first date. Mm. So, but yeah, are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> Well, you were also now I can laugh at it. Very young and didn't have a lot of dating experience before that. I so didn't have dating I think that experience. That was a pretty big yeah, risk. Yeah, for- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, words is done. Words is done. <laughs> that's not grammatically correct. That's what he was waiting for me to say. But no, I wasn't waiting. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting to see what Katie, well, the woman with many faces. Yeah, I've been called that my whole life. One other thing. Oh, we got. Yeah, I guess is, words is not done. Not done. Your words is done. <laughs> is uh, I just think as a cautious person, the yellow light is important. But the yellow light is proceed with caution, not stop with caution. So if you're that or more cautious, 
person, not speaking of traffic lights, <laughs> but like the idea of that yellow light is to proceed with caution. So what is the the next step that you can take? How can you proceed in this decision of whether it is wisdom, whether it is fear? So just take the one step. That's the first step of that risk is the first step. (laughs) I know, super profound in those last words, but there you go. Well, this is a long one. I just looked at the time. I normally listen to podcasts on my way out uh, to church. So it's about 15 minutes here, 15 minutes home. So this would have taken me (laughs) four, Five five trips, five trips. So... We hit the five trip mark. <laughs> for, for you. Yeah. Yes. All right, guys. That's all we got. Well, for do we want to like encourage them to maybe share, like, anything yeah, like that? Always. That helps us big time. Make it your new year's resolution that you yeah. can you can do it right now. And then you can say, I have accomplished my new year's resolution to leave us a five-star review. And to share this on your social media. Not only will I activate life exchange in my own life, but I will extend it through sharing and liking. We could do like the old like chain things. If you share with five friends right now, you will have a most blessed 2023. (laughs) Well, we're definitely not doing if you put amen, Jesus, or you love Jesus or something. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. And, and if you don't share with five Are you going to heaven friends, or not? We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So secure your place in heaven <laughs> with a one-time share gift. Right of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We laugh, but that is scary. Oh, I okay. know. I know. I hate that stuff. <laughs> but, all right. Yes. Please share, like, like us, <laughs> like us, please. <laughs> it, All right, it really, it really matters. So. Well, I was going to say talk to you later, but I'm, I'm not talking to anybody other <laughs> than you guys. Listen to us later. <laughs> Join us later. All right, next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.